everyone from all of us at Saskatoon Open Door Society. Welcome to our Cultural Bridging weekly podcast series, Culture Clinic, with Cultural Bridging hosts Michael Efemfia and Anita Oulu. Today, Michael and I discuss cultural competency and COVID-19. We're all in this together. This is the first of two podcasts in our Culture Clinic Health Edition with a focus on COVID-19. So how's your family, Michael? Is everyone keeping sane and safe? What about back in Nigeria? Thanks for asking, Anita. My wife and kids and I are doing okay. I think it's funny how in the early days of the outbreak here, some people were worried about things like toilet paper. Back home in Nigeria, they have very different concerns. In the city I lived before moving to Saskatoon, the worry is more about the skyrocketing prices of food, even though it is still early days with the pandemic. Culturally, the things they do here with toilet paper can be taken care of with water. Yeah. There's also concern about power and electricity, because if people are to stay home, they must have electricity to preserve food and power their phones, computers and televisions. But what I find most fascinating since the outbreak, though, is how often my mother and siblings back home call to find out if my family and I are doing okay. It used to be the other way around. Yeah. I guess it must be because, like most newcomers, you have your tentacles in two, three, or more locations around the world, all at the same time. It's like that for me, too. So many dear friends and loved ones connect from Istanbul and around the world to check if my family and I are okay. They see the bleak news in New York and likely think we're sinking on the Titanic. In fact, in Turkey, they get a lot of diverse coverage about COVID-19 from around the world, perhaps even more than we get here. So they're definitely in the know. Friends send videos to educate and help boost morale, and I do the same. Did I tell you I get calls from family and friends back home in Nigeria asking me when things will get back to normal? The truth is, I don't know, and I doubt that anyone can say for certain that they have an answer to that question. It got me thinking that it might be easier to explain the concept of cultural competency to local communities like we do to newcomers since COVID-19. After all, it is culture. COVID-19 has shifted cultural norms. What do you think, Anita? Yes, I agree. That's a very good idea, Michael. We're all in this together. We have to account for everyone. Anyone can spread COVID-19 with or without knowing it. Each and every action we do affects someone else's life. That's a lot of responsibility. It makes me think I should be more aware of my everyday actions with others. Did I tell you, Michael, last summer I attended Metropolis, a global conference on immigration hosted in Ottawa? No, you didn't, Anita. Now you've told me. I'm curious to know what you learned there. Well, Michael, there was one keynote speaker who really moved me, a Belgian-born Burundian refugee, activist, and poet, Keri Nivyabandi. Fluent in more than four languages and an amazing storyteller, Keddie coaxed over 1,500 participants to feel what it's like to be on the run from ultimate danger. And she made us question how we might respond to those on the run and in need. To do so, Keddie turned to her mother tongue, Kurundi, and explained their indigenous belief called Uhunu, 
it's kind of hard to pronounce, so excuse <laughs> me if I say it wrong. I won't try. Essentially, Uhunu is where people believe that one's well-being is ultimately linked with the well-being of one's neighbor. The human that lives in me also lives in you. In short, we are nothing without each other. And isn't that where we are right now, Michael, with COVID-19? Absolutely. You're right when you said earlier that we're all in this together. Perhaps false notions of superior and inferior cultures will flatten or distort a cultural curve, mm -hmm. suddenly flying from more developed countries to some other less developed parts of the world might not carry the prestige it used to a few months ago. Now, it might mean disease, unwanted, dangerous, a potential threat, not receiving the culturally accustomed appreciation and respect as many business travelers and tourists are used to. Instead, there is suspicion, irrespective of nationality and cultural background. New questions such as, what is your intent? Where is your, tra your final destination? What do you have in your bag? These questions may not be new to some people, but to some others, it is a new experience. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But how does this relate to cultural competency? And perhaps you want to explain what cultural competency is, Michael? Um, sure. Professor Juanita Sherwood of the University of Sydney National Centre for Cultural Competence explains cultural competence as the ability to participate ethically and effectively in personal and professional intercultural settings. It requires being aware of one's own cultural values and worldview and their implications for making respectful, reflective and reasoned choices, including the capacity to imagine and collaborate across cultural boundaries. Cultural competence is ultimately about valuing diversity for the richness and creativity it brings to society. So true, Michael. In my case, because living abroad had added a lot of richness uh, to my life experiences, it taught me so much. Whenever I meet a newcomer, for example, I first imagine them in their country of origin, working and hoping just like we do. I don't see them differently, but I do respect their differences. No one culture is completely uniform, of course, along with many challenges that they may have faced in new and past history. I know that they have millennia of cultural habits and resilience to which they resort. Their roots are hardy, like those of an aged olive tree. I believe my experience is not very different from yours, Anita. I speak, write, think, and dream in English. Yet in the course of my travels across the world, I've met people who are surprised that a Nigerian who is new to their country speaks fluent English. Yes, I can imagine you get asked that a lot, Michael. Perhaps most are unfamiliar with the history of colonialism in Nigeria and Africa, and maybe they didn't receive it in school either. I mean, how will they know? By the way, Michael, how do you think COVID-19 might change cultures around the world? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Mm. Um, have you noticed that in many ways, the reaction to this pandemic is almost identical across the world? Mm -hmm. Social distancing is now a phrase in global lexicon. And perhaps when this is over, all cultures will greet in a similar fashion. We could have a wave, um, a bow, or the famous elbow bump. Um, have you also noticed that suddenly everyone is Zooming 
and singing in the balconies, mm-hmm. working from home, virtual classrooms, I think now, the different stay-at-home challenges on social media. Um, everyone is talking about social benefits uh, from the federal, regional, and municipal governments, and donations by the wealthy to the indigenous. Indigent. Um, could this be a way of life in a post-COVID-19 universe? This worries me, you know. Oh, it worries me as well, Michael. Many of these new practices are just as new to the local communities as they are to the newcomer. We're all forced into living this new way, and I'm really uncertain about it. We're all learning and navigating through this new experience together, Anita, and that's awesome. Yeah, well, actually, maybe we might make a comparison with how COVID-19 changes our lives as to how some newcomers might feel their lives have changed since coming to Canada. For example, when I see a newcomer working at a fast food place, coffee shop, or supermarket franchise, I'm aware that along with the many diverse ethnic and social classes that they may have come from, they might also be a PhD graduate, for example, a doctor, a lawyer, dentist, nurse, and so on. It may be a a hit to their sense of self-esteem to flip hamburgers. I feel their pride. So I deliberately greet them by name on their franchise name tag. In this way, I hope to connect with cultural sensitivity. Whenever you do this, I'm sure it makes them feel seen and that they belong. I remember one cold day in my previous job, a colleague I'd never spoken to before made a cup coffee for everyone, and he handed me the only newcomer in the group a cup. It was such a small gesture, but it made me feel welcomed. It made me feel like I belonged. A few days ago, I spoke to that same colleague. He had been laid off as a result of the pandemic. I could tell he was unhappy. He was worried about bills and his mortgage, and most of his confidence was gone. I shared some information I had about palliatives. I was happy to see I could help lift his spirit. Wow, Michael. Do you think changing the way we see each other might lead us to culturally relevant and sensitive responses? Did you know that right now some newcomer women are busily sewing masks and distributing them to all of the who need them here in Saskatoon, including seniors in care homes? Amazing how they just jump in expecting nothing other than to contribute their help. Does this mean they're culturally competent? And what are culturally competent skills anyway? Culture is dynamic and ever-changing. Therefore, cultural competency is a process rather than a destination. Here are five steps. First, awareness. Realize the new faces and practices around. Learn what circumstances brought them. Residents may not understand the long-term aim of immigration clearly, so more needs to be done in explaining it to them. Yeah. The second step is sensitivity. Like Ketty suggested, we need to help each other along the journey. Empathize as to how difficult it must be to live in an unfamiliar place. Recognize that people need time to evaluate and adapt and don't have to be exactly like us to belong. We can adapt a bit too. It's important to know and accept that mutual engagements and cross-learning is key in mutual growth and overall well-being of the community. The third thing we'll talk about is knowledge. Curiosity doesn't hurt. Learn about a newcomer's country of origin. What's the language, religion, demography? 
Is the nation largely rural, agricultural like us in Saskatchewan, or an oil extractor like Alberta, oil manufacturing herb like Toronto? How old is the culture who are and once were influential figures? Break free from mainstream news and know that there must be more to a nation and civilization. Instead, read an author or watch a film from the country learn a greeting in their language. The fourth skill, volunteer, get your feet wet, meet, observe body language and social relations, don't stereotype. Observe how elders and children are treated. How does each gender perform? Not everyone greets each other with handshakes or glaring, glaring looks straight in the eye. But don't assume any, everyone is pious or traditional either. Globalization has changed cultures too. And finally, competence. Each and every new face is a person with a unique story. Respect each story for it's not so unlike your own story, your grandfather's and grandmother's stories maybe. Keep your heart open. Cultural competency may take or exceed one's lifetime to get, but that's the joy of forever learning. So the first thing we can do is to help people belong, and that's much more than just a welcome smile, I guess. It requires our full engagement in how we share and help fellow humanity along, putting ourselves in their shoes. We won't be keeping our distance forever, Michael. Maybe Kitty's right. We have a deficit of humanity and a global crisis in empathy and compassion. But maybe it will change because of COVID-19. Absolutely. In Naples, Italy, for example, people living in apartment buildings use a basket tied to a rope with baked food for them, lowering the basket down to the street level to share food with hungry street people. I've seen countless examples of kindness from places that we seldom get much mainstream news coverage of, even. Thank goodness for social media. COVID-19, how will you change our culture? Thanks for joining us today, everyone. Next week on Culture Clinic, we'll have a guest join us and share experiences of tackling everyday life during COVID-19 and the challenges many newcomers may face. Stay with us. Anita and I welcome your feedback and suggestions. Please write us at culturalbridging.sk.ca. We appreciate you, our dear listeners. Until next week, remember to keep safe, keep distanced, and keep alive.